9 o'clock on the dot on a Friday on the first day of March. Take your temperatures. Call your doctor. The madness is coming. We will start, though, with your Carolina Hurricanes. Lots to get into today. Paul Eihander, Instagram Hill on the ones and twos. So about last night, if you were listening to Mike and Tripp here on 99.9 The Fan, you understood that the Carolina Hurricanes were in a bit of a dogfight with the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. 4-2 was the final. Let's get that one out of the way, 4-2. If you listen to the ESPN-only broadcast of it, you would think the Columbus Blue Jackets were a contender every year. Whew. That, get that one out of the way, too. All that young talent they possess. All that young talent. They're so close. What a move. What a great move. Oh, Nylander, amazing. That's, I can't, uh, can't get away with that guy. That was, that was incredible. Meanwhile, bottom of the barrel in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, there was, they were really excited about Marchenko of the Columbus Blue Jackets every time he touched the puck. Kirill Marchenko uh, from, from Mother Russia. He didn't really do much last night, but they were really excited about his puck handling. They should have been more excited about the fact that Jalen Chatfield had his stick everywhere. Yep. I'm like, he was he was Thanos last night on defense. He was truly inevitable. Uh, the Hurricanes leaned on the Finns quite a bit last night. Uh, today is, by the way, did you know it's Hockey Day in Finland? I did not know that. Today is Hockey Day in Finland. And so Carolina Hurricanes, again, did just fine last night. Tava Teravainen. Sebastian Ahu, who had, who had one goal completely just stolen from him by way of gravity. Yep. <laughs> like Gravity usually wins, folks. Just letting you in on that big secret for you uh, physics majors out there who are listening. 4-2, Canes over the Jackets. Had a rough first period. That one was a snoozer early on. <laughs> I think both teams had, uh, Graham, I think maybe 10 shots between them. A lot of dump and chase. Yes. In that first period. Very, very clear. But Spencer Martin, who got the start, which everyone seemed to be excited about and played incredibly solid again in goal, he talked about really the last, oh, third period, especially that last three and a half minutes when Blue Jackets went full, you know, screw it. It's either going to happen now or it's not going to happen. That three-minute flurry there, uh, Martin talked about the push by his former team. Just stick with it. I mean, uh, you know, those things happen. Um, but it's all about <laughs> it's all about closing out the game properly, and uh, you know, like knowing that in a one-goal game that every save is really really important down the stretch, and, and just getting excited about that. Yeah, rather than part the bus, which is what we see a lot of teams do when they have a two-goal advantage, the Columbus Blue Jackets down two goal went ultra attack in FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sending the backs up. You know to what? Midfield. To, to the Blue Jackets' credit, they were pressing. I mean, they were truly pressing the Hurricanes. But if if you had a chance to watch the telecast a little bit, watch the game last night, it was showing where Carolina's polygon defense, so to speak, where everyone was kind of covering all their spots, was they really weren't in a lot of trouble. Based on the action on rink, where if you closed your eyes and you were listening to the play-by-play from Mike it felt like oh my god they're just coming and coming and coming and they were I'm like they had a lot of they had plenty of opportunities but it really felt like the danger it was exaggerated a bit because the Canes played really solid defense in those final three minutes of course Jarvis got that got that late uh 
that late empty netter to make it four to two, uh, which again good for Jarvis to get some points on the road and and to you know com- you know to continue that complete season that he has been playing for the Carolina Hurricanes both offensively and certainly uh, defensively being able to mark up on his guys. Again, if you listen to the game, watch the game, it felt like the Canes were... And I told you yesterday during the show, if you happen to listen to us, and if you didn't, shame on you. <laughs> Catch us on the podcast. I talked about how Columbus is one of those teams that just kind of gives Carolina some just kind of the... nothing. fits. Yeah, yeah, fits. It was 3-2 in the last one. That one, the last time these two teams met last year, it was all goals in the third period. And in this one where, you know, the where, I mean... And really, the goal of the game was Brady Shea, right? Yeah. I mean, Brady Shea is kind of, uh, he played a little hero puck there. You know, we say hero ball on hoops, but hero puck. It was just him by himself. And Shea, you know, who hadn't scored in about seven weeks, you know, used his his body. You know, used everything in his power to sneak one past uh, the Columbus goaltender. And for Tarasov, I mean, he, he, he went five-hole. I mean, clearly, it was just kind of a nudge, but... Tarasov wasn't expecting that to happen. I mean, this was it was a one-handed goal. It was one-on-one. And you could see the frustration, too, uh, from the Columbus D. It's like, what more can we do to kind of stop the momentum? Because it was 2 nothing, and then all of a sudden it was 2-1, and then it went 3-1 right away, and you're like, oh, my goodness. It's always nice in a game like this, outside of Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis, who we typically see score for the Carolina Hurricanes to get. I think what we call it, Paul, is the complimentary goals when guys like uh, Brady Shea score, and also Tavo Teravainen, who I think should be scoring a lot more for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not saying that to put him down, Amy. I just mean he is a quality player alongside Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov when they're on the same line together that I just feel like he should be producing more. So it was good to see him get the scoring going last night for the Hurricanes. Paul Iander, Instagram Hill here next up on 99.9 The Fan, live and local every morning, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Get you caught up on uh, what's going around in your sports world. Yeah, Teravainen who Adam Gold pegged early on in the season as a guy who was going to have a breakout season. It's still 18 goals yeah. for him. And, you know, Ajo, which you know, admittedly even for his uh, output, you know, he got his 23rd last night. And and Shazy, again, who had the who had that goal late in that second period on the – I mean, it was, it, was, it was him. I mean, yes, the box score will show assists, but it was really him. Like him shifting weight, him hanging on to that puck, making sure that something was going to happen – and there were lots of quality chances by the Canes last night. I mean, but the Blue Jackets just give this team fits. It's always just fits and fits and fits. Arad Brindamore talked about this road stretch uh, grabbing five out of six points. Well, that's what you have to do. When you're not playing your best sometimes, you got to find ways to get it done. And, um, you know, I thought we did that. We had great individual efforts on a couple of those games to, to get us the wins. And tonight was a better team game, I thought. And, you know, move on. That was the point. I mean, he was very quick to the point. You know, hey, everybody got everybody got uh, dapped up on the way to the locker room last night post game, and then he he is right. And it, the measured language that Rod used about this team, individual efforts early on, team effort today, uh, team effort last night did feel like a little bit more of a team effort. You know, again, Shazy Brady Shea did what he needed to do. Like he made that made that goal happen out of pure will where. They were looking for opportunities and looking to give themselves a little bit of space. Columbus is a pesky team. I, I'm not I, – I, until you see some real proof, they feel like the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres for years have been talked about potential. This team has potential. If this one thing would happen, if this guy wouldn't get hurt or whatnot. 
Blue Jackets spent a little money. You know, they've they've locked down some key guys, but we talk about them like they're going they're, like they are a contender, and they're not. They're still a team that's a seller. And as we get closer to the trade deadline, if you can believe it or not, we are one week away from the trade deadline. By the way, Carolina Hurricanes were involved in a trade last night. You're like, what? What happened overnight, Paul? Yeah, the Canes made a move. It wasn't much of a move. They were involved in a three-way deal. They helped broker a deal, sending a defenseman to Toronto from Anaheim. They got a six-round pick out of it, took on some salary. Again, this was a third-party kind of thing. They just happened to sit at the table, help something out. So this is like for all you guys that take care of yourselves out there, and I know there are some of you who take care of yourselves like really well. So when you draw a bath after a really long day of whatever it is that you do, okay, and you kind of stick your finger in the water to see if it's hot, and you're like, oh, that's just a little bit hot, and then you kind of wait a little bit, and you slide into that tub, and you're like, oh, yeah, that feels good. That has that vibe for this deal for Carolina. Like This is like that little finger in that hot water going, hmm, how can we figure out how we get involved in all these things? Well, right now, they're a third-party broker. I'm like, we got some real estate. We got a little bit of cap space to do what we need to do. Still feels like there's a move happening, but they have seven days to make that happen. But after the trip that they just had, and tomorrow, and again, you'll get a lot more of this with Adam Gold later on today during uh, the Adam Gold Show, uh, 12 o'clock to 3, and certainly with Tim Donnelly in the drive this afternoon, 3 to 6, with Tim and Dennis Cox. They do have the Winnipeg Jets coming in tomorrow in a 12-30 game at PNC. It's an early game. It allows you to go make sure that you get to watch State Carolina tomorrow in terms of college basketball. But it is the Winnipeg Jets, and when everybody goes, ah, it's the Winnipeg Jets, Western Conference team, ah, they're usually in the middle or whatnot of that, I kind of always hanging around that 7-8 slot with the Jets. Not this season. Winnipeg is a much better hockey team. Winnipeg is the number two team in the Western Conference right now. Well, I take that back. Not the, not the two team in the Western Conference, but the two team in the Central Division. They're the three team in the Western Conference. I misspoke. But they're on a they this is a Winnipeg Jets team that got beat up by Dallas just last night. So but those are the top two teams in the central division in, in the NHL. But Winnipeg will come in here going, All right, we took one of the best shots, didn't do so hot. Now what do we do to make everything right? And the way to make everything right is to come in and steal one at PNC against your Carolina Hurricanes, which is completely possible. It's completely possible. And it's it's not because they are that good of a team. It's because you're going to see some really balanced scoring attacks coming out of those Winnipeg lines. Mark Sheafley, the prime example of that. Um, Josh Morrissey is one of those guys that just makes – and Kyle Connor is a guy that you're all going to have to look out for. If you happen to go for the game, you watch on TV or listen on, if you hear the if you hear the number 81 come out, he has 24 goals right now, left winger for the Jets. Kyle Connor, mark that one down. But, again, you'll get more with Adam Gold coming up at noon today. I'm Graham Hill with three things you need to know right now from 999 The Fan. 
Tavo Teravina scored the game's first goal less than a minute into the second period. Spencer Martin stopped 20 shots against his former team. And the Carolina Hurricanes rolled to a 4-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. Be sure to check out the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, available this morning for the full recap. Duke women's basketball, led by senior Candy Brown, finished their final home game of the season with a 73-54 win over Virginia. Wolfpack women's hoops beat Syracuse 75-71 in their seventh-ranked win of the season. And the Toriels' comeback fell short at Boston College by a final of 78-74. The North Carolina Lottery Commission on Thursday announced which operators have been awarded licenses to take online sports bets. Of course, the first day of betting in the state is March 11th. Find these stories and more on WRLSportsFan.com. Next up, we preview Triangle Rivalry Week. Next up, 99.9 The Fan, Paul Ihander, Instagram Hill on the ones and twos. I want to issue an apology from yesterday. Didn't give enough square up, to be honest, on a big-time top 25 matchup last night, as you heard Graham say in the three things you needed to know. The NC State women went OT last night to take out Syracuse 75-71. It, this win did a couple of things. One, kept the Wolfpack in position to have a first-round bye in the postseason when the ACC tournament starts next week. They could finish as high as two. Uh, it also showed you that Madison Hayes and Snyder Rivers are, and I'll throw River Baldwin in that mix, they might be iron women when it comes to, they all played 40-plus minutes. Rivers and Hayes played 45 minutes apiece last night in that overtime win. That's how badly... State wanted it, and that's how badly they want to be able to host at Reynolds in the first round of the of the uh, women's tournament. What that win also did, it also gave Virginia Tech the outright regular season championship uh, because Virginia Tech won. Or Virginia Tech actually lost uh, last night to Notre Dame, who were on a four game heater on the women's side. But Tech, because there's only one game left, they are fourteen and three. And so they go into the they go into the tournament as a one seed. But I did want to give a, a few more props to NC State just because of, again, I felt like I didn't give them their due. And Rivers had 22 last night, including uh, hitting the game-winning free throws. She had a really great overall game, 22-8 and 5, uh, which was great for the pack. They have one game left. They take on Wake Forest at home. It's the, the senior finale at home on Sunday. The game is sold out. We will have that game here on 99.9 The Fan. That's a 2 o'clock tip. Yeah, 2 o'clock tip for that one as the women figure out the end of their regular season. On the men's side, Triangle Rivalry Week begins in earnest on Saturday. This is tomorrow, folks. Tomorrow in Chapel Hill, State takes on Carolina at 4 o'clock. This one will help do a couple of things. Again, as I talk about the implications across the board, one, State needs a bad needs a win badly. They need some mojo in a hurry, and the last three games for State aren't exactly the simplest for them. At Carolina, Duke at home 48 hours later. That's Monday night, if you can believe that, which is why Triangle Rivalry Week starts right now. I have two players to watch throughout this weekend, and the one will come during this game between State and Carolina, and that's Jaden Taylor, Graham. Jaden Taylor, for me, is the option – when DJ can't get it going and they can't find any work inside and Casey Morsell is hitting threes late in the half, when I need something early in the half, I want it from Jaden Taylor. Taylor in the last four games, 
I don't want to get too statistical, but I'm going to get statistical here real quick. Shooting above 50% from the field in his last four, shooting just a tick below 50% from three, and he had the, he had a very solid game uh, just earlier this week. So Jane Taylor is my guy to watch in the State Carolina game. Duke is taking on Virginia. This one has some incredible implications on the ACC because it's the number two and number three teams right now. Duke, again, on the road. Virginia, defensive-minded team. And when I think about a player to watch, when you think about a defensive-minded team, the player to watch for me, and it comes with two reasonings, and it's not all good. The first one, the, the player I'm like is Duke's Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach, who is Mr. Consistency, scoring in double figures, I believe, in his last eight straight games. The guy that Coach John Shire believes is him and Filipowski are the guys that, that stir the drink for Duke. But for Roach, because of the steady hand and the scoring hand, which is what you need for defense. However, I'm watching him for another reason. His turnovers have been eh, a little bit too many, I think, for a primary ball handler for Duke, especially going up against a defensive-minded team. And to, being, to be able to take care of the basketball, taking on Virginia is going to be very important, especially after they had that cakewalk against Louisville, where you really didn't have to think about taking care of the ball because – they could have turned it over 25 times. It still wouldn't have hurt them against the Cardinal Graham. But I think for Duke, I think it's Jeremy Roach, and my eyes are on him. Just as Reese Beekman significantly raised Virginia's ceiling this season by returning for his senior year, so did Jeremy Roach with Duke. Uh, the Virginia native is averaging a career-high 14.4 points and has experienced a breakout uh, from beyond the arc this season, shooting a blistering 48% from the three after shooting just 34% a season ago. So... I'm I'm in agreement with you that Jeremy Roach is going to be a significant impact in this game just because it's his last time playing Virginia outside of North Carolina and NC State for Duke. Their games with Virginia are always pretty competitive. I mean, they, they tend to deliver nine times out of ten. You know, Virginia is looking again to improve its stock right now. Wins are important, especially when you're 21-8 and eight and you're thinking about being a lock in the postseason tournament. So you've got to get some wins. You've got to extend your season in – the ACC conference tournament as well, because I want my seed to be better. I would like to be an upper seed. I would like to play in my. I would like to have the choice of jersey. Let's put it that way. Fair. I want. I want to be able to pick what I get to wear when I take when I go to whatever regional that they're going to assign me to, because it feels like Virginia is going to be part of that conversation as well as they should be. They certainly should be. They they have the quality wins. They have what they need to look at, and everyone feels like Clemson's going to sneak in. Now I think Wake Forest. We'll want to have a little bit of say in that one. Wake Forest taking on Virginia Tech this weekend, which is where they need to win. And that game between Virginia, I mean, sorry, Wake Forest and Virginia Tech can help out State in that it could provide a little bit more cushion because right now it feels like State is settling in almost too comfortably in that 8-9 slot, which means a date with either Florida State or Pitt. And NC State still has Pitt on their card as well. So Triangle Rivalry Week continuing or starting right now, 24 hours away from State and Carolina, and yet 72 hours away from Duke and State running it back. So a lot of big, I, we use the word big games or must-win games or things like that. I'm going to use the word crucial to describe how this weekend sets up for the ACC with the teams that are playing at the top of this conference and the matchups that come down the line as well. Pitt. Boston College and 
uh, Florida State, Georgia Tech again. Florida State could use a win to make sure that they don't have to play one more extra game as tournament time is legitimately two weeks away. So that's incredibly important. Overnight last night, just want to touch on this. Uh, prayers up for UNC Wilmington. Not in the not in the way that anybody got hurt, but they're struggling right now. They uh, lost to Hofstra last night. This is uh, Coastal Athletic Association. Uh, the Seahawks are stuck on 20 wins. They are stuck there. And for a team that was poised to challenge for the CAA, and they still can, there's no doubt about it, not riding off Wilmington by any means, but they just haven't been able to put put some wins together right now. They could use, a, they could use some. They had that grinder in Campbell earlier this week, losing to Hofstra. They need to get their, uh, they need to get the mojo back, so to speak. That could come tomorrow for them against the Tigers of Towson. Uh, which the Seahawks are are favored in that one. All right, that's a lot of college basketball to digest.